Today's episode of the Retrogasmic Podcast is brought to you by Rosemary.nz. If you fancy a bowling shirt or a retro man's panel shirt, hop over to Rosemary.nz. Check out her recently sold shirt if you want to get some ideas. There's everything from hot rods to pinups to 4th of July to kind of zombie apocalypse things. You name it, she's made it. Uh, And the great thing is you can look through all the fabrics she's got available and you can tell her what kind of design you want and she will make it to order. Phenomenal quality, fantastic price and she's a lovely lady to boot. Rosemary.nz We interrupt this programme to give you a bulletin just received from one of our naval units at sea. A large object travelling at supersonic speed is headed over the North Atlantic. Once a normal, voluptuously beautiful woman, she drove into a nightmare of horror and saw descending from the sky. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Ooh, I feel retrogasmic. to the Retrogasmic Podcast. I'm Didi Deluxe and today's show is part one of a two-part show dedicated to fashion icons of the 20th century. Next week we'll be looking at the guys but today we are looking at the ladies, the women that influenced fashion and style. And now on with the show. So born in 1893, Lillian Gish. Uh, an American actress born in Springfield, Ohio, uh, and the daughter of Mary and James. Her father was uh, from a long line of uh, ministers. Unfortunately, he was also an alcoholic and uh, left their family fairly uh, fairly early on. So her, the mother, Mary, took up acting to support um, the family, which consisted of Lillian and, and her sister, Dorothy. Long story short, uh, they moved around quite a bit, and at one point they lived next door to a theatre, which was obviously very handy for for a mother that was an actress. That burnt down, and they had to relocate. Lillian made friends with um, a girl called Gladys Smith when they moved houses to New York. Now, Gladys Smith was a child actress that used to um, act under the name Mary Pickford. Had quite a good career. And she introduced them to the director, D.W. Griffith, who liked them and helped them get a, uh, an acting contract with Biograph Studios. Lillian went on to become one of the most loved American actresses of the silent era. Lillian Gish's style was, uh, was typical of that time, soft and romantic. Um, she had beautiful posture. She was very, very elegant and she had incredible eyes. Hop onto Google and you'll see exactly what I mean. An incredible looking lady. And obviously silent films, the acting was all about expression and body movement. She had to be quite demure because that was the, the vibe of the time. And later on in her career, uh, she was accused of not being sexy and not going with the kind of the vampish thing that started to come along in the 30s. But uh, she had a timeless quality that made her pretty much unique. Her commitment to her art was utterly incredible. 
1920, she made a film called Way Down East with Griffiths. And uh, there's an absolutely legendary scene which I recommend you hop onto YouTube and have a look at. In it, her character is lying unconscious on, a, on an ice floe going down a river towards a raging waterfall. A long hair and a hand trailing in the water behind her. Now, this is pre-CGI. This is before really special effects even existed. And this was done in real life in freezing conditions. All she was wearing was a thin cotton dress. And uh, she was very, very sick afterwards and suffered permanent nerve damage to several of her fingers. So I'm going to play you a clip now of Lillian Gish accepting a Lifetime Achievement Award in 1984. She was 91 when this clip was recorded. I do thank you, I do. Oh, if this were only for a life, I could give such thanksgiving for it. When my grandmother Gish told mother not to worry about me that I was born with a cow, C-A-U-L, that everything would be all right, I guess she knew what she was talking about. <laughs> everything has been, because I've been part of the artists of the world, of the actors of the world, and I was told by an old actor called Lestina, that God looks after us. He said, have you ever heard of a boat accident, a train accident, a plane, or any with a great group of actors on board? We, I haven't. <laughs> there have been individual actors that have been killed. <laughs> they have never in a group. <laughs> Maybe he looks after us because we live in a world of uh, let's pretend. Maybe we're childlike because we want to please all the time. Whatever we do, it's to please the world. That might be uh, why we're not executed uh, in groups. <laughs> Our next 20th century style icon is Marie Magdalene Marlena Dietrich. Born in Germany in 1901, uh, she was one of those people that constantly reinvented herself. An incredible lady, had an incredible sense of style. She would wear glamorous ball gowns one day and then a, a, a gentleman's tuxedo the next. And uh, she became famous for, for this constant reinvention and, and refusing to be kind of bracketed. In the 1920s, she starred on the stage and in silent films and her performance as Lola Lola in The Blue Angel in 1930 bought her international stardom and uh, a massive contract with Paramount Pictures. She worked with von Sternberg, the uh, director. She made six films with him. He was a, a huge fan of her skill and, and her look, and he helped promote her exotic and glamorous femme fatale image. 
he encouraged her to lose weight and coached her intensively as an actress and uh, uh, he cast her in roles that he thought would best suit her natural personality. In the film Morocco in 1930, she was cast as a cabaret singer and the film is probably best remembered for the sequence where she performs a song dressed as a man in a white tie and, and a man's suit and kisses another woman, which for that era was very, very provocative. And it earned her her only ever Academy Award nomination. She was very active during the Second World War. Um, she was known for her humanitarian efforts, housing German and French exiles and providing financial support. And uh, for her work on improving morale on the front lines, which she travelled uh, around and, and did shows a lot to the troops, she received several honours from the US, from France, Belgium and even Israel. In 1999, the American Film Institute named Dietrich the ninth greatest female star of the classic Hollywood cinema. So here's uh, Marlena singing probably her most famous song from the 1930 movie Blue Angel. This is Falling in Love Again. What am I to do? 
Retrogasmic. Our next 20th century style icon is Coco Chanel. Now, this is going to be a tricky one to do uh, on a podcast because the only audio we've got of her is obviously speaking in French. And she didn't do that many interviews. And unlike some of our other icons in this week's show, she didn't sing. Or Well, that's not strictly true. She sang when she was a teenager initially, um, just in bars with her sister. But um, there's not much really out there that we can play you. So uh, this is going to be a bit of a history lesson. So grab yourself a coffee and sit back. So born Gabrielle Chanel on August the 19th, 1883. The uh, future fashion designer legend came from a, a very poor family. And when her mother died, when she was about 12, her father, who was like a, a traveling salesman, put her and her two sisters into a, a church or a convent run or orphanage. Um, the upside of that was that the nuns there taught her to sew and um, it's thought that the black and white of their habits um, greatly influenced her kind of uh, her aesthetic and the way she looked at design later on. Her, her nickname Coco, um, it's thought came from uh, the fact that when she was working in the bars in the evening, as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, these were kind of singing slightly saucy songs and flirting with the audience and that kind of thing. Uh, one of the, uh, the more popular songs she sung was called Who's Sing Coco at the Trocadero? And of course the crowd would call for encores by, by shouting Coco, Coco, and of course that ended up being her nickname. Um, she was a licensed milliner, which means that basically she was qualified properly to make hats, which um, back then was pretty rare. Um, the famous Coco Chanel logo, the kind of um, interlocking C's, she designed that herself. Again, quite rare. Um, there's some theories that it was based on uh, either a military or a, a royal family crest that she saw when she was younger. Another possibility was that it was a homage to um, English aristocrat champion polo player Arthur Capel, Chanel's longtime lover and the man who she considered to be the love of her life. He died in a car crash just before Christmas in 1919 and it left Coco absolutely devastated. There's some speculation that the two C's could have been for Capel and Chanel, her way of keeping his, uh, his memory alive. The story behind the famous Chanel perfume is, uh, is quite interesting. In the early 1920s, Chanel worked with the perfumer Ernest Beau to create the scent. And uh, supposedly, Chanel liked Beau's uh, fifth attempt or fifth sample, leading to the now famous name Chanel number no. 5. Also, 5 was her lucky number. But the scent, with notes of jasmine, rose, sandalwood and vanilla, might have been the result of a laboratory mistake, it's now thought. The formula has an unusually high dose of aldehyde in it, which is a synthetic compound that makes the scent sparkle. Uh, the fragrance and its groundbreaking minimalist bottle design went on to be one of the best-selling and most recognised perfumes in the history of perfumery. Now in the Oh, you know, they ask you questions like, well, just an example, what do you wear to bed? Do you wear a pyjama top? The bottoms of the pyjamas are a nightgown. Or... So I say Chanel number five. Because it's, it's the truth. <laughs> and yet I don't want to say nude, but it's, it's the truth. 
Okay, so here's where it gets a bit tricky. Our uh, lovely fashion legend was allegedly a Nazi agent. Um, after Chanel died in 1971, classified documents started to emerge that revealed that uh, in the Second World War, she had a long, long affair with Hans Gunther von Dinklage, a German intelligence officer. Uh, it was well known that she stayed for most of the war in, at the Ritz Hotel during the Nazi occupation of Paris. Um, but in uh, journalist Hal Vaughan's book in 2010-2011, he revealed that Chanel was uh, not only involved kind of casually, but was involved enough to actually have an Agent F7124, codenamed Westminster. A quote from a, a British press person at the time was, there were legions of women of courage and daring do throughout Europe, working hard to outwit the Nazis. Unfortunately, Chanel was not amongst them. So, uh, a bit iffy. When the war was over, Chanel exiled herself to Switzerland and she eventually returned to Paris in 1954 to restart her fashion um, house. She always denied any links with the Nazis, but I guess you would. And she uh, argued that she has many close Jewish friends. But um, the evidence is pretty damning. So let's get back onto a more positive note. Um, in the 1950s, it was okay to carry your purse in your hands, but Chanel changed all that when she introduced the Chanel shoulder bag. Uh, made it a lot easier for women to carry around everything they need. Um, she also made jersey fabric cool, you know, heavier, kind of uh, upholstery-based fabrics. She liked them because they were comfortable, they were practical, and they draped well. Chanel's clothes were famous for allowing women to uh, move freely, and uh, if you had something made to measure by her, that would be um, impeccably fitted. Often, if you went to her studio to have something made to measure, she would get you to go up and down a step ladder and to bend over and to uh, you know, go through a full range of motion just to make sure that the garment or the garments she was designing for you fitted, weren't too revealing and weren't too constrictive. So uh, um, she really had a, a real good eye for detail and practicality. So a couple of other things that um, women have got Coco to thank for. Um, she brought having a suntan back into fashion, the more natural look. Um, she cropped her hair short, the, the garçon or boyish style, and uh, that allowed women then to be able to chop their hair and not have to necessarily have uh, long, hard-to-manage hair. And of course, probably her most famous contribution to fashion is the little black dress. This was kind of uh, 1915, something like that, and still to this day, it's the staple of pretty much everyone's wardrobe. Um, whereas before, wearing black was only something you did at funerals. Now it's it became a kind of a classic item of uh, of anyone's wardrobe. When Mr. Southwind sighs in the pine. Old Mr. Winter whimpers and whines Down in the meadow, under the snow April is teaching green things to grow When Mr. Westwind hums in the glade Old Mr. Summer nods in the shade Down in the meadow under the brook, catfish are waiting for the hook. Oh, Lady Blackbird, 
flirts with the scarecrow, scarecrow is waving at the moon. Old Mr. Moon makes hearts everywhere go bump, bump, with the magic of two. All right, come again. When Mr. East Wind shouts overhead, then all the leaves turn yellow and red. Down in the meadow, corn stalks are high, pumpkins are ripe and ready. So that was, of course, the wonderful Marilyn Monroe singing Down in the Meadow from the movie River of No Return uh, in 1954. So Marilyn was born Norma Jean Baker on uh, the 1st of June 1926 in Los Angeles. Um, she was in and out of state care and uh, orphanages. And uh, at 15 years old, she'd been staying with a family friend, Grace Goddard. But when they moved to West Virginia, they couldn't take her with her. So pretty much unless she got married, she'd be thrown back into an orphanage. So they turned to one of their neighbours, a guy called James Doherty, uh, who was 20 Later, she said, I thought, you know, we were awful young, but we talked and we got on pretty good. So they were married about uh, three weeks later, just after she turned 16. Now, another little known fact was that Truman Capote really wanted Monroe to play the part of Holly Golightly in Breakfast at Tiffany's. He said she was terrifically good and she played a couple of scenes for him and, and he was her favourite. He later said that uh, Paramount double crossed me in every way and cast Audrey. Apparently she chose uh, Monroe as her stage name because it was her mother's maiden name. So what else do we know about her? She had a thing about uh, intelligent men. She had a photograph of Albert Einstein in her bedroom, also one on her piano. She married uh, Arthur Miller, who was a, a famous intellectual. By all accounts, she was a terrible cook. She was roommates with actress Shelley Winters for quite a long time, and a story that Shelley often told was that she asked... Monroe to go into the kitchen and prepare the salad and wash the lettuce and when she came in 10 minutes later she was scrubbing each leaf individually with a Brillo pad. <laughs> As a style icon uh, there can be few that compare to Marilyn. She's regarded by many as one of the most beautiful people that has ever existed um, the dress that she wore to sing Happy Birthday to um, President Kennedy in 1962 set the world record for the most expensive item of clothing ever sold. It went for $1.2 million or something like that. Um, the seven-year itch dress as well sold for $4.6 million in 2011. So, uh, yeah, I mean, she's, as style icon goes, she's, she's up there. Tommy Hilfiger famously bought her jeans from the River of No Return. Um, we played that little clip earlier for $37,000 and then gave them to Britney Spears as a gift. Go figure. Uh, do I feel happy in life? Um... um let's see. Let's say I hope I'm finding happiness, right? Well, for me, uh, if I can realize certain things in my work, uh, 
I come the closest to being happy, and I can say that also about my life. Well, it only happens, I think, in moments, sometimes when I'm working, and, uh, and I'll be able to um, uh, fulfill a scene truthfully, and then I think I'm the happiest. And our final 20th century style icon is Audrey Hepburn. She was born Audrey Kathleen Rushton. And uh, like Marilyn, we could do an entire show on her. So I think what we'll do is we'll we'll just kind of uh, throw you some interesting Audrey Hepburn facts. Um, She's one of 14, maybe 15 people in the world that are a member of the EGOT Club. That's someone that's won an Emmy a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. So uh, an astonishing accomplishment. She could speak five languages. She spoke English, Spanish, French, Italian, and I think Dutch. She was a real introvert. Um, She preferred to spend most of her time on her own. Uh, Her favourite colour was uh, cyan or aqua, and uh, she used to surround herself with that as much as possible. She had wallpaper in her apartment, that colour, and you often see her in clothes or with accessories of that colour. She was a very, very accomplished dancer. She started at the age of five and was a very, very good ballet dancer. Her parents were, mm, let's get him back to Coco Chanel again, they were a bit right-wing. They were Nazi um, sympathisers. And um, fortunately for Hepburn, not many people knew about this until later on. Otherwise, it would have been absolutely disastrous for her in the 1950s. Um, She had a baby deer as a pet called Pippin. Uh, She had a breed of tulip named after her. And uh, for such a petite, elegant, kind of small-built lady, she had size 10 feet, which is quite remarkable.
what you're doing? Writing. So do you know a guy that needs his act smartening up a bit? Do you know someone that definitely isn't a 20th century style icon at the moment? Well, hop on over to rosemary.nz. She'll make them a shirt to their design, to measure. It will fit beautifully, it will look wonderful, and has a fantastic choice of fabrics. Get on over there and smarten up their act. rosemary.nz So that brings us to the end of the show, I'm afraid. We'll be back soon with our icons of the 20th century, but this time looking at the guys. Don't forget, hop onto iTunes, leave us a nice review. We really appreciate it. Tell your friends, share it, all that kind of stuff. It keeps us alive. Thanks again to Rosemary.nz, our sponsor, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>